0: Hi, hello and welcome to Sola Sisters. I'm Erica, And I'm Kerr. And today we're talking about church, the importance of church, meeting together as, a, as one body, having membership and everything in between. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to talk about what our church does because Kerr and I go to the same church. Uh-huh. And I'm excited to talk about what to do in the midst of COVID because that has been really hard at least for me, as a believer, to navigate what to do and what not to do. Mm -hmm. So without further rambling, let's go ahead and get on with the episode. Cool. All right. So I think it would be good to right off the bat define our terms. And so when I talk about church and when Kurt talks about church, we're really pulling from... R.C. Scrolls definition, mm-hmm. which says church refers to all the people who belong to the Lord, those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Some other names that you might have heard for church is the body of Christ, family of God, people of God, the elect, bride mm-hmm. of Christ, company of the redeemed, communion of the saints, new Israel, and a whole bunch of other terms. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about the body of believers, but also we're talk- talking about the building because... I don't think we should pit the two against each other like we do a lot of mm-hmm. the time. I hear a lot of Christians say things like, church isn't the building, it's the body. And like, well, that's true because if the building burnt down, you would still be Christians. Yes. You would still be the church. Yes. but can
1: still gather together without a building.
0: But if you have a building readily available to you, you absolutely should meet together in a building because mm-hmm. meeting together in a building allows you to encourage one another and to build one another up and sing psalms and spiritual hymns to the Lord, like what scripture commands us to do. Yes. And I think that meeting in a building is really
1: important if you have the means to, if you're, right. if you're able to. Right. I think it allows the body of the believers in a given context, in a given area. Uh, just like a meeting place, a point of where they can assemble together as commanded by scripture at the same time every day on Sunday or if you have like Bible studies or other events at your church and things like that. You have this place knowing that all of the believers at this congregation know when certain events happen and things like that and have a particular place to meet. So I think it's really important that Like Erica was saying, we don't put the two against each other because they need each other because we are a organized religion, which requires a building, time, scheduling, all of these things to make sure that the body of believers are together, serving one another, are in community with one another, are accountable to one another. And it's hard to do that if you don't have a place where you meet. So yeah.
0: I think also... I mean, Scripture talks about the need of the local church and the importance of the local church many, many times, especially in the New Testament. I mean, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verses 24 through 27, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately... After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. You can't encourage one another if you're not meeting together. Mm-hmm. You can't encourage one another if you don't know what each other are struggling with, because mm-hmm. how do you encourage someone? Right. So I think that scripture, I mean, we have a command. Do not neglect to meet together. Let yes. us consider how to serve one another to love and good works. How do you stir one another to love and good works if you're not meeting with each other? Correct.
1: And this isn't like, this isn't an optional suggestion. This is a command to meet with your fellow believers. And if you forsake the gathering of the body, you're going to have a lot of believers in isolation. And guess who loves isolation? The devil. The devil wants you isolated from fellow believers because he doesn't want you to be accountable. He doesn't want you stirring up each other in good works. He doesn't want the community of believers because he knows that when believers are gathered together, God is glorified and he doesn't want that. So he will do everything in his power to make sure believers are in isolation from each other. So who are you obeying? By not gathering in a church, you're obeying Satan. By gathering and being committed to a local church body, you are honoring God. So please, I can't even stress this point enough, do not neglect the gathering of fellow believers. Do not neglect it.
0: R.C. Sproul's definition of church in his book Essential Truths of the Christian Faith, since he, he says that church refers to all the people who belong to the Lord, those who have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And so if we're going off that definition, then those who meet together in the building should be believers. Yes. The church is for believers. There certainly can be non-believers that come to your church, but the hope is that when they come to church, they do become believers and they continue yes. to come to church and continue to be plugged in and have a family and maybe become members if your church offers membership, which I I think every church should. Uh, yes, I agree. When deciding on what church to go to, I think depending on what your church says church is for or who church is for will really tell you how they're going to teach. If it's for believers, they're not Mm going to water things down. But if your church is for non-believers, then it's going to be a little bit watered down. It might not be as deep as you want if you're in solid food Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: they're preaching to people who are still on the milk. Right. And I think milk has a place for every believer. Yes. You don't always just want to have this dense, heavy stuff. You need to be reminded Mm -hmm. of the simplicity of The gospel, Mm -hmm. but you can't survive off of just milk. And so, what I'm trying to say is, I just think it's so important for you to find a church that teaches the Bible in a way for believers to understand. Your pastor better not be watering down the gospel because that will malnourish so many people. That takes away from the gospel and that will harm you, that
1: will harm anybody else that walks through those doors. Yes, because if they are not preaching the word, they are breaking a commandment in Second Timothy 4.2. Literally says, preach the word. <laughs> <laughs> so if they are not preaching the word as it is written exegetically, I would say they're not a true church of God. And you need to go find a true church of God that adheres to the word of God. So you can't separate all of them. And why you'd want to go to a church that does is beyond me. And we see throughout scripture. How do I word this? Well, okay. So the Bible does not explicitly say anything about church membership. There isn't a section of scripture that you can go to that says, here's church membership. This is what you do. However, there are multiple places throughout scripture that talk about the ideas of church membership, like in the same way, like the Bible doesn't explicitly say the word Trinity, but you know, throughout scripture that God is triune because of how he talks about himself. So it's that same kind of idea. Like for example, um, the church in Acts, there are so many implications about how their church membership works. Like, for example, in Acts 2.41, there is an implication that someone is keeping records of those who were saved and therefore added to the church. And that verse says, so then those who had received his word were baptized and that day they were added by 3,000 souls. You don't just like randomly pick out that number. It seems as though someone was keeping track of who was in and who was out, so to speak. Because those who were in received the word, were baptized, and were added to the church. So there's this idea that they knew who was with them and who was not with them. And then in Acts 2.47, it implies that one must be saved before they're added to the church. Therefore, they must be a believer to be added to the church. So the gathering of believers on any given, I suppose it would have been Sunday for them probably, means that they were those who were saved. Especially knowing the context of this time period, there wouldn't have been non-believers hanging out with them just for the heck of it. Because there was a lot of persecution that came with joining the church. So why non-believers would be interested or hanging around with them, they wouldn't just do that for the heck of it. So the idea that the church is for non-believers, if any church is saying that... They don't get that idea from scripture because that's not what the original church in Acts did.
0: (laughs) Right. And you can have non-believers that attend your church for sure. You can have people that come into your church that aren't believers and it's not like they're not welcome. Correct. But they're not going to get this simple come to Jesus altar call kind of sermon. Right. They're going to get the heavy meat that Mm -hmm. the believers are getting. Mm -hmm. And I think... Like in the early church days, maybe not Acts times, but like when they did communion, they had all the non-believers walk out and they mm. said that they would have, um, the body and the blood of Christ. And so they're like, what, there was a rumor going around that they were like cannibals or whatever, but, oh Lord! but they saw that the importance of coming to the Lord's table was for those who are washed by his blood. Right. And it's a remembrance of what he did on the
1: cross. Yeah. It's you not, can't remember something if you don't believe in it. Right. <laughs>
0: So there was this aspect of non-believers are welcome, but when we do communion,
1: if you're a non-believer, you need to get out. Especially knowing that 1 Corinthians 11 says, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That means that you are guilty of what happened on the cross if you take communion in an unworthy, unworthy manner. And number one, unworthy manner, not being a believer. So if you are an unbeliever, you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. You don't believe in his lordship. You don't believe that He's savior. Do not take communion on Sunday. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's important
0: to define what membership is because some of you guys did say the, huh, response. Mm-hmm. So membership, to put it kind of more simply, is commitment to a local church where we can give our resources, serve others, be held accountable, and hold others accountable. And so membership helps define the pastor's responsibility as well. Yes. Also, without church membership, there really can't be true accountability or discipline. Yes. Like, without membership, membership is for those who are committed to the church. And they have said everything that this church affirms, like, I agree with. And I have a role in holding my pastor accountable. I have a role in holding my other believers accountable because of church is for the believer, but non-believers come into it. There's not really a way to know who is a true believer and who isn't a true believer just by looking at your congregation. And right. membership really helps define, okay, these the people who are members are... Are really in it. They actually believe what the church says. We can trust that they are saved. We can trust that they have been regenerate. Mm-hmm. And those who aren't members doesn't mean that they're not saved. But right. right. There's not this level of commitment that those who are members have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think our church does a really good job at what membership is, the whole membership process. Yes. And I think you have a packet.
1: Yeah. My husband and I are going through the membership process right now with our church, and um, you have to take a, Well, I guess you don't really have to, but there's like a introduction class of what the church believes, so they have their statement of beliefs. Then they have their statement of um, what they t- teach, and it's like a more exhaustive version of their statement of belief, which is cool, so it gives more verses and more in-depth understanding of their statement of belief and then there is the church constitution which you have to adhere to if you want to be a member and if you don't agree with the constitution why would you want to be a member of the church so that doesn't make any sense so you if you are wanting to be a member it you would adhere to this constitution and it's just like a has like 10 or so articles on it about like their statement of beliefs and how they go about their church government and along with the constitution they have their church bylaws about how they run their church government so who's a deacon, who's an elder, what are their roles, who are they accountable to, things of that nature. And if like if anything happens with the property, all these things are listed out in these bylaws of everything you need to know about the church. It's so in depth and I love it. And members are adhering to it so you know that whoever is a member of this, of this church adheres to everything listed within the church and we loved it so we're in the membership process right now and we're actually have a membership interview this week and we just talked with one of the pastors about like our testimonies um if there's any questions with the church or certain minir- ministries home groups all that stuff We talk about one-on-one with the pastor, so it's nice that they like take the time out to. If you're really interested in being more um, investing more in the church, like your time, talents, and treasures, that you get like all your questions asked in an interview with one of the pastors, which I think is super neat. It's exhaustive, but I think every church should do something along those lines so that people aren't just Signing up willy-nilly, not really knowing what they're getting themselves into. Because so many people our age do that. They're just like, oh, let's be a member of this church. And then, like, a month later, they're like, oh, let's go be a member of this church. Because young people are flaky and have commitment issues. Every single one of them, apparently. I think also membership
0: is important because it allows you, like what the definition that I read said, it allows you to be held accountable and also to hold each other accountable Mm -hmm. Because you know that those people who have gone through that process are claiming to be believers, like they are in it. Mm -hmm. They're actually in it. Mm -hmm. And if they are in sin, Scripture tells us that we have the authority and we have the duty to correct our brothers who are in transgressions or sins or anything like that. And so if you don't know if the person you're correcting is truly a believer then that can be so much harder. I just think that membership is so, so important at a church. If your church doesn't have membership, I would really encourage you to ask your pastor or your elders why they don't have membership. I would encourage you to see what it would take for maybe your church to have some membership or or a membership process or go to a church that does have membership and see what it's like. Yeah, I just think it's so important because how are we supposed to encourage and rebuke and correct and reprove and train each other in righteousness if we don't know who are the sheep and who are the goats? Right, exactly.
1: That's why in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, I think, I'm pretty sure it's 5, we are called to judge those who are within the church. And everybody's like... Oh, what about Matthew 7 says not to judge, blah, blah, blah. We'll read that on context, first of all. But we are called to judge those within the church. You can't tell the difference between a sheep and a wolf if you're not judging between the two. There are characteristics of both in which you are to judge in order to determine who is a sheep and who is a wolf, right? Same with um, a healthy tree and a bad tree. You judge the characteristics of that tree, how they've been taken care of, how they're growing, and you can determine how if that tree is healthy or bad. And then you can really tell by the fruit they bear, because a bad tree is going to bear bad fruit. A good tree is going to bear good fruit. So you are called to judge those within the church to know if they are a believer, to know if they're living their life in a manner worthy of the gospel because there's probably, there's a section in Philippians and Ephesians and I believe first Thessalonians that says to live your life in a manner worthy of God. Yes, there is grace and you don't have to be perfect. I mean, hmm. God does demand perfection, but that perfection is on Jesus. If you're in if you are in him, but we don't take advantage of grace. We, if you take advantage of grace, you're doing exactly what Paul says in Romans not to do. Right? It's Romans, right? Mm-hmm. So don't take advantage of grace. Do what God has commanded. Be a part of the church. Judge those within the church to know who is obeying Christ and who is not. And if they are not obeying Christ and they call themselves a, either a member of that church or a believer, we have the right and the obligation and the command from Christ to judge them, rebuke them, correct them, and love them in that. It's not just to point out their sin for the heck of it or for the heck of being right. We point out sin. We judge those within the church in order to love them. It's not love to let someone go on sinning, maybe unknowingly. Maybe they're totally ignorant to their sin. Or maybe they've been told a thousand times and they're just like, whatever, dude, I like it. If that's the case... Matthew 18 and up, and if they don't want to hear about it, then they're not a part of the church. And that's a huge and serious claim, but that's why having a church is so important. You need accountability. You need those to call out your sin when you're being a dummy head. You need the love and community of believers around you. You are never meant to love Christ alone. Christianity isn't a private religion. It's a public religion. That means you need fellow believers around you. That means we go out into the world to bring more people in who want to hear the good news of the gospel and repeat.
0: (laughs) I think church hurt is another big reason of why people don't have home churches. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, church hurt is probably one of the worst hurts that there is. You expect these people to act a certain way and they don't. Mm -hmm. And then you try to, in some cases, you might try to rebuke them. And in love, mm-hmm. I mean, certainly you can do it out of love. Certainly you can do it without love. But then, if you're not doing it with love, then it's that person's job to tell you, "Hey, I see what you're trying to do, or I get that you're trying to help me, but you're you're coming at it in a in a very mean way." In mm-hmm. which you should take the the log out of your own eye. I mean, scripture implies that we can. Yes. So examine yes. yourself and make sure that you're not coming at it and you're not hitting them with your own log. Right. Like. But don't be afraid to to call out the spec. Don't be afraid to do that because we mm-hmm. have the authority. We have the privilege. You want to talk about privilege? That's a hot button word right now. You have the privilege in order to do that. You have the privilege to meet together. You have the privilege yes. to worship God yes. freely, at least for right now in America. Yes. And I know that there's people that are listening to us that don't have that privilege because... Mm-hmm. There's people listening to us in different countries, which I think is insane. It's so weird weird to think about, but (laughs) there are people in different countries that are listening to us that do not have that privilege. And when we so willingly give up meeting together as a body, that like, how insane is that? Like Mm -hmm. that should be insane to us. That is absolute insanity to give up the body for, for what? So I think church hurt definitely plays a role in not having a body or or a church home or um, like you preventing you from getting plugged in. But you absolutely need a church home and you absolutely need to get plugged in. And it's going to be scary. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And it's going to continue to be scary until you meet people that you can trust. And there is no perfect church. There is no church without sin or without error. Correct. And that's why membership is important to be able to point those things out when they show up. And so if your church has hurt you or if an old church has hurt you in the past, examine if it's really sin and if it's sin that isn't willing to be fixed then leave. And Mm -hmm. it's going to really suck. Mm -hmm. But it's so important for you to get plugged in to a church that does love you because they love Christ first and foremost. No matter what church you go to, you're going to meet people that hurt you. But it, mm-hmm. takes, it takes maturity to say that you've hurt me.
1: That's why we have to be able to speak the truth and love to each other. Because, like, I'm very quick to blame the church, especially in America, for all the problems that's wrong in our culture. Because we're either, the church is either very harsh with truth, just saying it like it is, not caring about the feelings of another person. Or the church is all love and buddy-buddy and being afraid of any form of confrontation because our generation can't handle it and we need safe spaces apparently we need both you have to be able to tell a fellow believer hey you're doing this and this is not cool but you need to let that person know that you also love them and you are in one body together and you cannot be separated from each other if you both claim to be christians No matter what. So you either need to deal with your problems or your problems are going to follow you to heaven.
0: (laughs) Like, I think there is a good way of calling out sin and a bad way of calling out sin. Don't go into it with a holier-than-thou. Right. But also, Mm -hmm. don't go into it so timid. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should hate sin. Yes. Because God hates sin. Yes. So the person that's sinning, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else, should hate that sin. Yes. And sometimes... Sin feels too good to give it up. Mm -hmm. And maybe we are blind to it. Maybe we know that it's sinful and we just think that nobody is seeing it or feeling the effects of it. But if somebody tells you that you are sinning, evaluate that. Mm -hmm. Hear them out. Look what scripture says. Mm -hmm. Does it say that what you are doing is sinful? Does that person that told you and rebuked you, are they really trying to train you up in righteousness? Because scripture will tell you that. 2 Timothy 3.16 or 1 Timothy 3.16. First, second, one of the Timothys I know it's three sixteen, and so for, all scripture, about, yeah, Second
1: Timothy, yeah, Second yeah, Timothy
0: yeah, three sixteen, yeah. all scriptures be thought by God and profitable for correction, reproof, teaching, and training in righteousness. Yes. And so, if scripture is rebuking you, and the person that called you out is just a means of you being able to understand that and see that, mm-hmm. then praise God for that. Yes. And it's not mean for you to call out sin. And it's not mean for somebody else to call you out on your sin if it is prescribed sin by scripture.
1: Yes. That's also why we need the authority of pastors and elders in a church too. Because when uh, like the layman believer and the layman believer have problems with each other and they can't sort it out, that's why we are given the spiritual authority of pastors and elders to help us sort out issues with one another as well. Because they, in the same way a wife is called to submit to her husband, the layman congregant is supposed to submit to their pastors and elders. Obviously, there's different implications to those relationships, but um, you have a pastor, you have elders in your church. If you don't have elders in your church, go find a church with elders. You need an elder like congregation. They are there to help pastor and shepherd the local body of believers. They will be a mediator for you if you are having a problem with another, another believer and you've Matthew 18-ed it and you just can't figure it out, your pastors are there to help. But that's why you also need membership in that because your pastor is only accountable to his local body believers. He's not accountable to just anybody who walks in. Yes, if a non-believer comes in and wants to speak with the pastor about more about Jesus, yes, he's there for that. Absolutely. But he is accountable to his flock. Hebrews 13, 17. Says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they may do this with joy, not groaning, for this would be unhelpful for you. So we need to submit to our pastors and our elders because they are there to watch over our souls. They're not just there to point out sin and make you feel bad about yourself. But here's the thing, if you feel bad about your sin, it's probably the Holy Spirit, so you should probably pay attention to that. We are called to obey our leaders. We are called to obey the authority that God has set in our lives. And if you don't have a church that you can rely on, you will never be called out for your sin. You will never know the deep riches of the gospel and you might have some problems with the big guy that will be unsorted (laughs) (laughs) and by submitting it to pastors who have submitted to the lord obviously you're not going to submit to a pastor and elder who doesn't meet the qualifications laid out in the timothys and titus just don't in the same way a wife doesn't submit to a sinful husband, <laughs> like there's a qualification there. It's implied that your pastors are following the Lord. But if your pastors are not following the Lord, or they're putting the gospel on back burner and doing other things in replace of that, you don't submit to them. You obey those who are obeying Christ. Like when I forget where it is, but when Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ, that's the pattern we're following. Like wives, you imitate your husband as they imitate Christ. If they're not imitating Christ, you don't follow them. Congregants You follow your pastors as they follow Christ. If they are not following Christ, you don't follow that pastor.
0: Right, and every pastor is going to sin because they're human. Yes. (laughs) But how they respond to that sin will tell you so much. And so if your pastor sins and you know that he sinned, but he has genuinely repented and there's been a 180... In his life after that repentance, mm-hmm. then of course you can trust him again. Right. Don't just write off every church because somebody sinned in it, especially a pastor, because then you would never go to church. Right. <laughs> so to sum it all up, the Bible mandates that we meet together for worship, Hebrews 10.25. Mm-hmm. The Bible emphasizes the importance of a local church. Almost everything that Paul was writing was to the local church. Yes. And when we gather gather together, we encourage one another you don't get the same encouragement when you're online as you do when you physically meet in person. Yes. The act of gathering is an act of encouragement. Read Hebrews 10, 25 again. It says it right there. Uh-huh. Read all of Galatians 6, especially verses 1 through 10. Uh-huh. When we get in the habit of meeting with one another, there is just something so sweet that happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I just can't imagine not meeting together as a body for a a prolonged period of time when I missed this weekend it was like I felt the effects of it and so I just think that if your church is shut down for whatever reason go find another church and if there's not one that's open by you that's godly or open at all start your own at least for the time Mm -hmm. get together with fellow believers if you can
1: And so to end it all, I'm going to end it on Philippians 2.2. It says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. So we are called to like-mindedness, to be of the same love, That is Christ, because we don't have love within ourselves. Intended on one purpose, the purpose for the gospel, because we are obedient to Christ. That is why we meet as a church. That's why we meet as a body, because Christ says so, and that should be enough for us. Because if you are in Christ, you listen to him. So yeah, I think that's all the things I have to say.
0: Me too. Cool. So thank you for responding to those polls on Instagram about church. Thank you for letting us tap into a little bit of what your church life looks like. And um, we will talk to you guys next week. All glory be to Christ. Bye. Bye.